What's happening, people? This is another edition of Up to the Minute with yours truly, Ramar Jones, and our guest host, Gabriel Forrest, who is also the brand manager of Be More Radio and Be More Radio Institute. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, man. I cannot complain with that. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the privilege of having with us in the studio today, Mr. Juan Thompson, president and CEO of Black Leader Detroit. Welcome. But before we get started, uh, Dennis Tauber mentioned to us an interesting podcast where you were about a little bit about your personal background. Uh, do you mind sharing the Danridge story? Yeah. So my, my the official name is Dewan Dandridge. Um, but if you are friends with me on Facebook, you will notice that, you know, I go by Dewan Thompson. Okay. And um, the reason is when I first got on Facebook, uh, you know, I was looking to connect with friends and most of my friends that knew me up to like, you know, through my high school days would know me as Thompson. Um, and yeah. that's the way I knew myself, right? Um, so my, my dad's last name is Thompson. Okay. And my mother's maiden name was Dandridge. And um, all while I was going through school, I always thought my name was Thompson. Like I always did until I, you know, ran across my birth certificate for, you know, either playing sports or, or needing to work or something like that and I saw that it was Dandridge and I was like oh wow what's going on with that so what what, what had happened was um yeah the, the infamous what had happened was right? <laughs> 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 the um my parents were uh 15 and 16 my mom 15 dad 16 when they had me so they weren't married um so you know when my mom was in at the hospital giving birth I guess she you know filled out my name to be Dandridge, and thus, you know, my name being Dandridge. And when they were married, of course, she changed her name to Thompson. Okay. And took my dad's last name, but they always told me my name was Thompson. I didn't, I didn't know, right? So they wow. registered me in school under Thompson. Um, I don't even think I knew how to spell Dandridge um, until I was probably a teenager. Yeah, right? and now were your, your parents were together all while growing up? Well, they were together... Um, and they divorced when I was around 15. Okay. Um, but, you know, it was one of those togethers sometime, yeah, sometimes yeah, not, yeah. right? Um, yeah, so that's the, the the story of my last name. And if you're, you know, good friends with me, you also know that I will go by Uhuru, right, as uh, my last name, and, which is uh, and means I, it, freedom in Swahili. I was going to ask, is there a yes. meaning behind it? Wow. Right, so that's my family's last name. So my wife and my two children through my wife uh, his last their last name is Uhuru, yeah. and nice. the thought being when me and my wife married, we did not want to um, extend the slave owners' names um, to the next generation. Mm-hmm. So we wanted that to stop with us. Um, so I still carry Dandridge. You know, most people know me by Dandridge, but if you wonder my family's last name, it's it, it is Uhuru. Right. That's nice. That's nice. That's dope. Now tell the listeners a little, a little bit something unique about you that they, you know that they, they may not know, you know. Yeah. So, um, tell the people who you, you know who you are, our listeners. Yeah. So, so um, you know, a native of Detroit, born and raised in Detroit, but um, I'd say I, I spent my formative years in Brightmore, uh, coincidentally, right? Um, I went to uh, Murphy uh, for middle school. I uh, went to Redford sometime when I was doing what I was supposed to do and then I went to several other high schools um, but grew up you know between Evergreen and, and Burt Road or right okay. off of Finkel. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Mr. Forrest? 
No, so no, I heard. Uh, but road, we home with a D. So how long have you been uh based in Detroit? You've been uh Detroit all of your life. I've been in Detroit all of my life, except for a year and a half. Um, when I was around sixteen, seventeen, I went and lived in San Antonio, Texas, with uh, my aunt and uncle. Um, and you know, went to school, high school out there for a little bit. Okay, okay. So while we're on the subject of Detroit, you are a phenomenal man. What is expected? Um, outcomes from the creation of Black Leaders Detroit? Oh, great question. Uh, and thank you. Um, the verdict is still out on if I'm a phenomenal man or not. <laughs> um, but the outcomes, the thing that we're looking to do um, is provide access to capital for entrepreneurs of African descent that operate in the city of Detroit. So we service the for-profit and non-profit sector and we provide funding by way of grants and a no interest loan. So what we're expecting and hoping to do is create a pot of money that is able to meet the need of the entrepreneurs that are starting businesses, running businesses, running nonprofit organizations that are really providing the goods, services, and meeting the needs of our community without them having to worry about if the racist system will self-correct. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what we're looking to do. So basically what you're saying is you you have a team, you all create the funding, develop the funding, and then you issue out their funding to the uh, black businesses uh, who are in need. And there's no APR. There's no percentage rate. No, no. no, So they don't have to pay that back at all. They pay back what they borrow. Wow. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so it's it's almost like, you know, you're taking risks, you know, on those ideas. And how, how do you figure out, you know, what idea has value, you know, or do you just? So that's done through a team, right? I think that all the ideas will have value, uh, but one of the things that, as you pointed out the risk, uh, one of the things that's important is that we, you know, take a look at the not just the idea, but, you know, things like the financial stability of okay. the businesses that we're loaning money to, right? Like it's less, you're less worried about all of those things um, to a degree when you're doing grants for nonprofits. Right. Um, but those are some of the things that we look at. I mean, we, we where your starting point for the no interest loan is you have to be majority black owned. You have to be based out of the city of Detroit and you have to be in business for at least a year. Right. So once we look at that, then we take a look at start, start looking at the other things. And what's important for us is that you are someone that will likely pay the money back. Right? I was going to say yeah. that. <laughs> so, you know, that, that falls into, you know, having them knowing their plan and, you know, will it be, how will the money be paid back and is that business earning, you know, so you guys could recover that part. That's it. And and, and not always that, right? So sometimes you, we, we've loaned money to businesses that are not earning, that yeah. they're not, okay. but the business owner is someone that has another source of income, mm. right? Um, oftentimes business owners um, in our communities, they have a social impact attached to their Exactly. business right so they're in it to hopefully have a business that's going to make money but a lot of business owners are making a space for us right and we value that as well we see we, we look at it like some of these businesses that are operating and creating something that's has a social impact we can't afford for those to fail right right right, right. so that's one of the ways that we you know assess and evaluate like who we should loan and, okay. and not loan money to gotcha gotcha okay. Okay, so what would you uh, consider a black leader, and why do you feel like there's a need for black leaders in Detroit? Yeah, uh, the way what me personally, the way I look at leadership is, um, 
somebody that is signing up to be the first to stand in the way of fire. Mm, interesting. Right? Um, That's deep. Oftentimes, I think the way that we see leaders is like everybody else is expendable before me, right? Um, you know, if you if you come to my home and, you know, wonder if I am like leading in my home, the way that you can, the fastest way you can tell if I'm leading in the home is to bring a threat, mm-hmm. right? Um, then you will see like me stand up to meet the threat while everybody else goes somewhere else and takes cover, right? So when I think of leadership, it's the people that are in our community that are standing up, positioning themselves to be a firewall from something that is threatening us or a danger to us or, um, you know, something like that. So that's, you know, the way that I see leaders. So oftentimes a business owner that's like, you know, we worried about our unemployment rate. We worried about folks giving our people jobs. I'll create a business and I'll be someone that provides jobs, Mm. right? A nonprofit leader that started something that is a solution and meeting a need in our community. And they're like, you know what, I'm going to put myself out there and commit myself to this work. So that's, you know, probably a long answer to the question of like how do how do I identify or, or you know what who would I call a leader no that's understandable I don't feel like there's uh such thing as short or elongated answer on that that's just your views and opinions on that Thanks. so that brings me to my next question uh you said somebody that needs to be there in the fire uh stepping out um when the threat arrives so how did you go about building a for, uh, formidable team um that can take on those threats that can be very strong and positive in times like that yeah um, I'd love to say I'm just like dope and smart and all of those <laughs> things, but I, I credit that stuff to God, man, if oh, yeah. be real, right? It's like, you know, things have shaped up with our team and the organization in a way that I can't take credit for all of it. You know what I mean? It's like I have a few gifts and talents, and again, they're gifts and talents that were given to me, you know what I mean? Not something I got, I, I gave myself. Right, so again, the credit goes to God, but we have a dope team and folks that believe in Detroit. And some of it is, hey, we identified Sharia Ayers, right, who came on in September, I believe of 2021. And she was working for DPSCD, Mm -hmm. Um, but she was, had started Juneteenth Jubilee, right? So the biggest, Uh, Juneteenth celebration that happens in Detroit. She's the founder of it. And she reached out to us, um, I think in 2020, to get funding from us for uh, the Juneteenth Jubilee and see if we would sponsor it. And as we agreed to sponsor it, I got to know her a little bit. So one of the ways that we raise money as a nonprofit is we ask everyday people like us, right? Right. To commit to donating $1 a week or $4 a month or $52 a year, right? Whichever one makes most sense for you. Well, Sharia's vision and purpose is to recreate something that we had uh, in Detroit that was birthed from black women back in during the Depression. Um, there was a group of women that started a movement and they basically created uh, a shop or no shop list 
of businesses that were friendly to us or not friendly to us, mm. right? Meaning they would hire us or they wouldn't hire us. And they would uh, collect money from one another. And this thing swelled and, and, and grew into a 10,000 woman movement wow. um, that created lots of revenue um, and like dollars circulating in our community. And this was kind of like her purpose. Um, so when we were looking for somebody to lead our membership uh, growth strategy, identifying people that would donate that dollar a week, right? And Because our goal is to get to a million people making that commitment. Right. right? So it just made sense for Sharia uh, to be offered that position. Now, she was fully employed um, in a place that, you know, you would think that a small a nonprofit like us wouldn't be competitive. But I had a conversation with Sharia, asked her what she would need to consider coming on staff. She told me what that was. And about eight months later, I had lunch with her and asked her was she ready to make that move, right? So those are some of the ways. And I mean, you know, we just we just really have been fortunate in, in being able to find some dope people um, that are committed to the cause. Yeah, that's that's big. That's big. You Well, you mentioned, yeah, you have a unique people's funding campaign. I mean, uh, now how can our listeners, whether in Detroit or across the African-American diaspora, you know, uh, tap in. Yeah, yeah. Tap in. How, how, how do yeah. they get involved? So I want your listeners, like, from everywhere, yeah. right? Like, yeah. we believe in reparations, so we want your white listeners and exactly. your, uh, any yeah. other listeners to, to sign okay. up. Okay, right? red, black, blue. Um, yeah, so they can go to blackleadersdetroit.org. Okay. Uh, there's gotcha. a join now button that will, they will see, and they can click on that, and it will take them to the option to donate a dollar a week, $4 a month, $52 a year, or my favorite button is the other button if they want to make, you know, right. a more substantial uh, or more generous yeah. donation. No, oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Oh, I think that's really dope. And we're talking about generous and and just basically everything I've been hearing from you. Uh, you you're presenting yourself as a Superman, uh, who's going out <laughs> a black Superman who's Far going out. No, 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 no. It's okay. It's it's what it's what we view our Superman. Okay. It's how we view our that's super uh, right. men and superwoman. Right. You know, they have the image that they portray out on the TV. Right. We have <laughs> our image on who right. we view oh, as yeah. <laughs> our black Superman and superwomen. What motivates you as the CEO? Uh, being busy and being productive is not the same. So please tell us, what are your motivations? Um, that's a really good question. So I ran a couple of initiatives myself. Um, I had what I describe as a like off the grid, non-registered nonprofit at one point. So I had a house that you know me and my wife had for investment property. And I felt like God was telling me to take that house and use it for uh, so transitional housing for young men in the community that would mm. wanted to stop selling drugs. Wow. And um, had a tenant there that was paying on time and we worked at Chrysler and it was going really well. So ended up having a conversation with that, that, that tenant and telling him what I think I was called to do with the house. Um, it worked out really well. The timing was great because it was really convenient for him and he needed to move at the same time and whatnot. So ended up doing that. And, and, and you know, me and a good friend of mine that helped run the house, we would literally go around to the, the trap houses in the neighborhood. We called them spots back right. then, right? <laughs> the trap <laughs> houses in the neighborhood and, and knock on the door and we'd ask to speak to whoever was running the show. Wow. And Brave. when they came <laughs> and... um. I would just ask them, hey, if you have somebody in here that you know 
is not cut out for this, um, and they want to try something else, send them with us. Mm. If you have anybody here that is uh, tired right. and want to try something else, like send them. We got a place for them. And we would have daily prayer, Bible study, and I was wow. a contractor and also working full time at Ford. Um, so I'm going to you know, have some carpentry skills and would take them out with me to teach, try to teach them a trade um, and, you know, provide other services and connections when I didn't have work because Ford was my primary employee, employment at the time, um, would set them up with other contractors that I had relationships with that would take them out and hire them, even if I had to supplement some of the pay. Wow. So did that for about five years and took a buyout from Ford in 06, 08, everything, all hell broke loose with the, you know, uh, just economy. Yeah. And it just wasn't sustainable um, because, you know, again, it was coming, uh, being funded by me and my wife. And uh, so that's one things that one of the things that inspired me. And I'll tell you why. So they also ran a small business. Um, when I left Ford in 06, I started my construction company officially and ran that for a few years. And then, you know, when things got really, really slow, you know, I had to pivot and change up some things, but mm-hmm. then had a, a really good working model. Um, some really good um, clients and and I guess a track record under my belt and needed to scale. And it was really, really hard for me and my business partner to find funding, um, even though we had, you know, uh, a major institution in the uh, Detroit Land Bank at the time kind of wanting to backstop it and, and, and guarantee it from some of the work that we were doing for them. Still, nobody really wanted to take a chance on us. Just fifty thousand dollars. We were in the middle of doing like a four hundred thousand dollars job at the time. Wow. So that, you know, never went away. The sting of having to close the house down on Westwood, Westwood and Schoolcraft, um, and like not being able to find funding to scale the business, helped me realize that like we needed somebody. We needed a, a, a pot of money that was controlled by black people that really understood us that could give those yays or those nays, right? Like somebody else, being, having to go to somebody else in Detroit that can, that has the power to say if we can or we can't participate, uh, if we can or can't uh, run initiatives, just those power dynamics are unsettling uh, to me. And I think that was kind of like the catalyst that, that you know, inspired me to start that sparked the, the nonprofit. Mm-hmm. That's heavy. That's real heavy. A, a lot of a lot of power to you, man. A lot of power to you, and you still striving. You still exactly. Going. A lot of people can't say that. Um, you you've started something, and you're making it your duty to finish it, and oh, yeah. you you're implementing it for others to carry on that work as well to finish that. And that's 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 pretty heavy. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate it. I have never heard of anything, uh, like this. Yeah, me either. Me. Either. I think y'all both have. You know, it, yeah. Well, because you know, not too many people want to be brave and be that no, leader. Yeah. You I'm, know, so the, and especially. So, so when I say I think you both have, this is what I mean. Um, remember being at the barbershop or yeah. or around some dope folk that like to pontificate about like all that's going on and wrong with us or at the dinner table, Definitely. wherever, right? Okay. Your conscious community and yeah. friends. You know how we would get to a point where we'd be like, if we could just come together, right. <laughs> we'd be all right. Yeah. Right? I think that's what this is. So I think you all have heard of it before. Mm. We've just created a mechanism mm. that allows us all to come together. Right. Yeah. So I don't I don't want to take credit for the idea. Right. Um, maybe being able to assemble a team and put the thing together, um, if anything, but 
Uh, I think that I've, I've heard this talked about and discussed for so long, and I also had the benefit of seeing it happen in a moment, right? So before, I don't know how old y'all are, but in 95. I wasn't uh, thought about. Right? right? <laughs> I so, wasn't thought about. So um, there was a Million Man March, right? And there was a moment, so it was a, a million brothers, y'all probably have heard of it, but a Million Man March. Yes, indeed. Uh, like the most in, like spiritually rich moment I've ever experienced in my life other than my the birth of my children, right? Um, there was a moment during the Million Man March where we were all asked to go in our pocket and pull out a dollar, at least a dollar. In 95, that's all I could pull out was a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at least a dollar, so we did that, and we, at least in my area, right, everybody was happy to, and asked to hold it in the air really, really high. Wow. And what was said was, this is what they fear, right? Like us coming together economically, right? Like we would be able to, to bring about the solutions oh, yeah. for our community ourselves without anybody else. And we have the ability to do that. Yes, indeed. And then it was like, so then, you know, the bags were go- passed around, big contractor bags, we could imagine. Mm. And we all put our money in there, right? Like happily, right? And um, that, moment and that image was burned in my mind wow. and it never went away and i think that you know the you know creation of the internet and how we have access to so many people in real time um i think that's kind of like the coming together and it's like you know what we don't have to bring everybody to dc we are able to reach each other folks with platforms like this right and i think that we're you know, that's where the million people came from, was that. So. Wow. Yeah. No, no, definitely. Speaking of uh, millions of people, uh, your organization is based off raising money for uh, black businesses. So how much money have you, uh, your team, been able to raise, and how much money have you dis- uh, distributed to black businesses and nonprofits? So we've raised, to date, um, right around $4 million. Wow. We've distributed over $2 million and counting, um, you know, and those numbers sound cool, but I feel like we're just scratching the surface. You know, okay. if you've done the math, you know that $52 a year times a million people is 52 million. Yeah. <laughs> so like that's, as much as we celebrate our accomplishments, in my mind, I'm always tormented by where we're going and, and I'm, you know, kind of anxious to get there. Okay, okay, no, definitely. So what do you see yourself in the next 10 years with the uh, black leaders of Detroit? Man, um, I'd be happy to still be alive um, <laughs> in 10 years. Um, I would say if you look at our strategic plan on paper, what we have is um, launching two more um, you okay. know, wow. black leaders something else Right, so at least two more cities with large black populations. Okay. Um, and, you know, in 10 years I'll be 60. And um, hopefully at that point, ready to kind of like pass the reins on yeah. uh, to someone else and step into maybe consulting or something like that, you know, at that point. We'll see. Um, I plan to still have a whole lot of energy um, by the time I turn 60, but... Um, that that's what we look like, um, if you if you talk about our strategic plan. No, definitely, that's a wonderful plan. Is there so 
who is your brainchild? Um, who's the brain? You mean the the the, the brain? brains of this whole organization? Man, I want it. It's like the the, the, the egomaniac and the prideful <laughs> person in me yeah. wants to take claim for that so much, so bad. Uh, <laughs> you just don't know. But again, man, like I said, I think I've I've you know gotten these ideas from experiences and conversations that I've had with you know uh, smart people, caring people. Um, but I've also had the benefit of being. Um, like highly educated in a very non-traditional sense, right? It's like um, I have a GED, right? <laughs> most people that, that report to me have at least one degree or, you know, more. And most of the rooms that I'm in, people assume that I have some high level of education, yeah. which I do. It's just not a real formal way. Um, but the beautiful thing about being um, in construction and being a general contractor is, um, you realize I don't need to know how to do everything. Yeah. You just need to assemble a team. Like I don't, if I was building this building, I wouldn't be worried about having to understand everything about the electrical and the wiring and the plumbing. I just need a really good electrician, a really good plumber, right? But most of all, I need a blueprint. Definitely. Right? So if you think about our no interest loan, the blueprint for the no interest loan came from an organization called Hebrew Free Loan. Hebrew Free Loan, um, they have them all over the globe, but the one here in Michigan has been operating for 128 years, and they provide no interest loans in the Jewish community, right? Wow. So they gave us their blueprint. When they heard that we were looking to do this. Yeah. Um, I was going to, I'm sorry. Yeah. I was going to ask, you know, do you know of any other organizations like this in, in the States or within Michigan? That, that's that's the yeah. one that okay. we are similar to, right? We took wow. that blueprint, we tweaked it a little bit, made yeah. some changes so it'll be a better fit for us. Um, but that's it. So again, as much as I'd love to answer your question, as much as I'd love to say, you know, I'm the one that came up with all this, right. you know what I'm saying? I can't, I'd, I'd be lying to you, you know? Um, am I willing to do the work to put it together? Um, and, and lead the team and, and sacrifice in, in ways, um, yes. But I'd also say that it's extremely rewarding, right? So I benefit a great deal from being able to ride up on black folk and pull out a check. Okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, it's different. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, you know what I'm saying? Being on yeah. the receiving end and on the uh, giving end of that, it definitely right. hits different. No, no really. No, really. I just want to say personally, uh, me and Mr. Bramall, uh, we're going to donate a dollar uh, weekly. That's what's on up. Our show Shout out yeah. to As y'all. a contribution uh, towards changing lives as residents of Detroit, along with the encouraging of our 200 plus alumni oh, yeah. uh, that we have. And we've had the opportunity to teach uh, broadcasting and communications or train in broadcasting and communications, I should yeah. say. So me and Mr. Ramal, we're going to make that pledge oh, today yeah. and make sure we donate because seeing black businesses thrive seeing my kinfolk thrive oh, that's yeah. all that's all we want to see and we don't hear too much of that happening exactly. exactly upon hearing about you and your organization i've just been at at all like this whole week yeah, just too. hearing everything that you've all accomplished and just reading all of the things that you have on your website and reading the reviews of the nonprofit, uh i mean of the black businesses that you've actually touched and exactly. how you've impacted them and, and then, how you know you've there, there's them. a lot you know I was unaware of this, you know, so this is, you know, brought to my attention is, is great. You know, there's people out there that, that's, you know, kin to folks who got small, have small business and, and don't know which way to go. Yep. So this is, this is perfect. Uh, I and mean, what you're doing is great. Yep. So th- thank you. Get so. at us. 
Gotcha. Definitely going to tap in. Y'all heard it. Live in full effect mode. Back like we never left. Y'all already know what time it is. This is B-More Radio up to the minute with your co-host Gabriel Forrest. And Ramal Jones. Thank you so much, Mr. Thompson, for being here with us today. Y'all heard it live from Black Leaders of Detroit. Peace. Up to the Minute is produced by B-More Radio and B-More Radio Institute. We are a youth-driven media organization and youth development model. B-More Radio is 100% supported by those who believe that urban youth can be more. Mr. Mo Soul produced the music and every segment is produced by the next generation of content influencers. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. This is the brand manager, Gabriel Forrest, reminding everyone that we can be more.